I love you. Ah, good to see everybody here this morning. Thank you so much for uh, tuning in online, and thank you for those who are in the chapel, and thank you for showing up here in the congregation as well. We're going through the book of Ephesians, and I've blocked out an entire year for it. Uh, the reason why I blocked out an entire year is because we haven't even got through the first sentence yet. <laughs> but but you gotta you got to give me a little bit of grace, because this is the longest sentence in the entire world, I mean, that, that I think has ever been written. I mean, just in the sense that Paul wrote this sentence and is grammatically incorrect in English, and it's also grammatically incorrect in the Greek um, as well, but Paul still just wrote it. He wrote it with energy. He wrote it with passion. He wrote it with excitement, because he had something to say um, in this sentence. And then those who copied the scripture copied it after Paul wrote it because the book of Ephesians was just not going to go to the church in Ephesus. And I think Paul knew it because he didn't address the Ephesians only in that book, which he addressed, you know, um, different um, books, different churches only in the book. But Ephesians, I think that Paul knew the whole world was going to get this book. And therefore he wrote this run-on sentence in the Greek that was grammatically incorrect. People copied it grammatically incorrect, and gave it to us grammatically incorrect for the purpose of saying, I have something to say with emotion. So it's the most powerful sentence in the entire world. And when you give a most powerful sentence in the entire world, uh, you're going to get a lot of doctrine in there. If you look at our notes today, you'll see that blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, and the first verse says, Blessed be the God, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Every spiritual blessing that is in the heavenly realms we possess right now. And then Paul explains it. And in the process of explaining it, he spits out the Trinity in the process. Blessings from the Father, which is he chose us in him. And he also predestined us to be adoption. And then he goes, blessings in the Son. He redeemed us. And then in all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will through what Christ did through redemption. And then we have blessings of the Holy Spirit, which is sealed. So we're almost done with this, um, with this sentence. We only have one more week left as we look at the, the third blessing in the Holy Spirit. But today we're going to look at another blessing that is in the Son. So I just want to read our passage this morning, and it's just going to be verse 7 through 12, because that's what we'll be focusing on. So let's read it. Ephesians 1, 7 through 12. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. In all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention which he purposed in him, with a view to the administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in heaven and things on earth. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose which works, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. A couple weeks ago, we talked about redemption as a blessing from the heavenly realms. Today, we're going to say God has blessed us with wisdom and insight through Christ. That's more of a loaded statement. We've been focusing on one words, but as we're looking at this one, it's, a, it's an explanation of what redemption is. So therefore, he's blessed us with wisdom and insight through Christ. As we're looking at that statement, 
we just want to break it up into two different sections. Number one, what is wisdom? And then number two, how do we have wisdom through Christ? So let's ask the question, what is wisdom? Number one, wisdom is the application of knowledge for the purpose of achieving a beautiful outcome. Application is the act of putting something into operation. Wisdom is the act of putting knowledge into operation. So let me just give you an example of what wisdom is, and I'll just walk over here to the piano. As I'm walking over here to the piano, I will will tell you that I have no, and I'm not going to play it just to let you know, I have no music capabilities whatsoever. I had the same amount of lessons, guitar lessons, that my brother has had, and I can't play a single lick. And he just takes over that, that complete entire area, and I'm not bitter about it at all. But I have no musical talent. But I do want to show off a little bit in regards to this piano and show you my knowledge of what I know. The first thing that I know about this piano is that the keys are white, and then the keys are black. <laughs> are you guys impressed? You guys should be impressed. I mean, the keys are white and the keys are black. We, oh, you all know that. That's basic. That's easy. But I'm going to expand, ex, expand my knowledge and tell you also that there is notes on this piano. There's A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and there's no H. <laughs> See? See, I, I know what I'm talking about. There's no H. It's only A through G, no H. And then I also know that there's, there's sharp notes, and there is flat notes. Is that right? There's sharp notes and there's flat notes. Are you guys impressed yet in regards to what I know about this, this piano? Okay, just, 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 just relax because it's really going to get thick. There's also a middle C. I'm not exactly sure where the middle C is at. I think it's, I think it's there. And then on the back side of the middle C, there is a bass clef, right? And then on the right side, there's a treble clef. So I'm just explaining to you a whole bunch of knowledge that I know about this piano. But I'll ask you the question, what good does it do me? What good does it do you? Doesn't, doesn't do you? It doesn't do us any good. What we have to do is we have to put wisdom inside of the knowledge. And what is that? It is putting relationship to the notes. That is what wisdom is. Wisdom is taking knowledge and connecting them with relationship for the purpose of having a beautiful melody, for the purpose of having a beautiful outcome, for the purpose of having, I wouldn't say a desired outcome, I'd say a beautiful outcome, because when we start talking about wisdom, it is an outcome that goes even beyond this world. It's not a desired outcome. It is an outcome that is beyond our mind because of how beautiful it is. Let's just give you another example. You hear the words, that person was wise with their money. That person was wise with their money. Well, let's just look at the knowledge in regards to money. You spend money, you save money, you invest money, you give money, and you hoard money. I mean, there's, there's a whole bunch of different keys that are on the subject of, of money, and you want to be wise with your money, saying that there's a beautiful outcome that that person has done with his money. What did he do? He took all of his knowledge, spend, save, invest, give, and hoard, and he played a song that was right, that was correct, that we would look at and say, that was beautiful, that we would look at and say, that person was wise with the outcome that he or she achieved. Let's look at wisdom in raising your children. 
You know, there's not a book about raising your children that says, okay, this is the black and white book, and if you put the knowledge that is in this book into your mind, you'll be a perfect father. You'll be a perfect mother. There's not a book out there. But what you hear is you hear wise parents, wise mom, wise dad is raising their children. So let's just look at some knowledge in regards to raising our children. We have love, time, discipline. We got to teach. We got to train. We have to instruct. But we have to do that through every single conversation for the purpose of a beautiful outcome, for the purpose of a glorious outcome. And so every time we have a conversation, every time we discipline, we need to know when to discipline and when not to discipline. We need to know when to teach, when not to teach, when to train and when not to train. That is what a wise parent is doing. Because what a wise parent is doing is they're asking the question, what do I want my child to look like in 25 years? What do I want my child to look like in 25 years? And therefore, they exist for the outcome of what the child is going to look like in 25 years. So they take all the knowledge that they have and they work the knowledge to the system of the product 25 years down the road. So every conversation that they have is going to be working for the 25-year plan. Every conversation, every discipline, every teaching, every training, every interaction that takes place always has a 25-year mark in their mind. Now, there's two things that if you're going to have wisdom, and why a lot of people don't have wisdom, it is that you're going to have to do is that number one is that you cannot live for the moment. You have to live for the future. You cannot live for the moment. You have to live for the future if you can have wisdom, because what you want is you want the beautiful product, and you'll make decisions in the moment, not for the moment, but for the beautiful product. And the next thing is you don't get to live for yourself. You have to live for the product. You know, when it comes to raising your children, my wife, who is so wise, there's oftentimes I would just like to live for myself. In fact, I would like to feed off of my emotions. I would like to live with where my heart is at. And sometimes there's frustration that takes place in the family in the sense of raising our kids. I wish my child would do this or that or the other. And, and, and then all of a sudden I would get you know, frustrated. So, all right, let me talk to my child. And then I explain to my wife what I'm going to do. And her and her brown eyes that are so cute looks at me and says, Dad, since you're the father, yes, you can do that if you would like to do that. But however, you're probably not going to get the outcome that you desire if you do do it. So I have to sacrifice my emotions and start living for the outcome and start playing the piano, start playing the keys of knowledge for the purpose of the beautiful outcome that takes place. Because the outcome is where the wisdom, the heartbeat of wisdom is at. So just to give you another um, example, coronavirus hit. So when the coronavirus hit, here we are as a, a church of 1,500 people that are, are connected. And um, I remember the first conversation that Dee and I had, Pastor Dee and I had, we were over at the coast at a conference, and we said, oh my goodness, people are shutting churches down, this disease is going to take us out, and, and what, do we, what do we do? Well, first thing we want to do is we want to have wisdom. Well, the forefront of our mind is we want to have a church that is alive. We want to have a church that is meeting. We want to have a church that is moving. We want to have a church that does not want to fall asleep. We want to have a church where the doors are open, where we can gather together, worship together. We don't want to stop gathering as believers. That's just a desire, and that's our knowledge that we have. But we also got some more knowledge that came. The coronavirus, people were saying, stop to spread. 
Don't open. Don't gather. Stay at home. The government says you'll be fine. You'll lose your license. The government also says it's your fault if, if somebody goes down. And then you look at the other knowledge as if you have 1,500 people, everybody has their own mind. Everybody has their own opinion. Everybody has their own viewpoint of what should be taking place. And then leadership in the world says, well, what do we do? What you do is you take all the knowledge that is out there, and as you're taking all the knowledge, you start playing the piano. <laughs> That's all you do. And there's more keys than, than that. But you start playing the piano in the process of every conversation, in the process of the outcome, which would be unity, love, peace, mission, evangelism. All those things is what we wanted for. And since that is the goal, since that is the desire, we don't get to have an opinion. In fact, we don't get to live for ourselves. We have to live for the outcome. Unity, love, peace, mission, evangelism, meeting, worship, being safe. All those things have to take place all in one box. So what you do is you play the, you play the piano on a consistent basis through every single conversation that takes place. Now, sometimes you might say, well, I don't know if you were wise through the whole situation, but that's what wisdom is is literally taking the information that you know and making it work for a beautiful outcome. Charles Spurgeon says, Wisdom is the, light, is the right use of knowledge. To know is not to be wise. Many men know a great deal and are greater fools for it. There is no fool so great a fool as a knowing fool. But to know how to use knowledge is to have wisdom. Proverbs 24 says, a wise man is strong and a man of knowledge increases his power. Is knowledge good? Absolutely knowledge is good because you want to know what's going on in every situation and then you want to bring them into relationship and that is called wisdom. A wise man is strong but even more knowledge increases his strength. Here's a sense of wisdom that um, is a huger, more big display and a more large example than even money or even raising children or even the coronavirus. And what it is, it's God creating the world. When God created the world, he created it with scientific formulas. He is the most detailed person on the entire, beyond the entire planet. So when he spoke, spoke things into being, he didn't speak things into being sloppy he gave scientific formulas that we have been discovering. In the process of us discovering these scientific formulas, we can, our eyes could be open and say, wow, God has the knowledge that is beyond our comprehension. God has a knowledge that is beyond our mind. God has the detail on his handiwork. Absolutely beautiful. In fact, the whole world is based off of knowledge. 2012, I rafted the Grand Canyon, and I get a raft of the Grand Canyon in 2022. But when I did it in 2012, the knowledge that God did when he created the world sings a song. <laughs> it just sings the praise of his glory. So he put the knowledge in such a way and made relationship with such a knowledge, with the knowledge in such a way that we look at the creation of this world and we just praise him for the glory that he has done. That is wisdom. He explains it in Colossians 2. I'm sorry, not in Colossians 2. He explains it. In Proverbs 3, 
The Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth. By understanding, he established the the heavens. He didn't found the earth by knowledge, putting everything into being. He founded the earth that makes the knowledge sing, and therefore what we do is we enjoy it. But you know that founding the earth is a beautiful picture of wisdom, but you know it's not the most beautiful picture of wisdom that's out there? You know what the most beautiful picture of wisdom is? Is the salvation, is the cross of Christ. Because if you look at God, and God is approaching this by looking at knowledge and saying, okay, let's look at my knowledge, is I am completely glorious. I am completely holy, meaning I am spotless. I have never sinned. I am completely clean, majestic, glorious, and holy, and I'm a complete just God. And God has a people who did what? Who sinned. God has a Satan who is out of control, sick, wicked. God has demons that are running around, and God has a love for his people that he wants to save. This is the knowledge. God has glory. God has holiness. God has justice. He has a sinner. He has Satan. He has demons that are after the sinner, and then he has a love for the people that he wants to save. That is all the knowledge that God, that's the knowledge that God has in the situation. But what did he want? He wanted a beautiful outcome. He wanted a beautiful outcome that would sing his glory and save his people. Therefore, justice was paid unto his son rather than paid unto us in the salvation message. You see, when it comes to wisdom, you can't live for yourself. You can have your own opinions. You can have your own desires. You have to lay your life down for the purpose and for the cause and is the most glorious, beautiful act of wisdom and it's all found in Christ. Colossians 2 says, God's mystery, that is, Christ himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. 1 Corinthians 1, but by, do, but by his doing, you are now in Christ, who became the wisdom from God. So that is what wisdom means. Now let's go to the second category. How do we have wisdom through Christ? How do we have wisdom through Christ? Number two. Through Christ, we see God's ultimate plan reunite all things under Christ. Ever since sin came into the world, things have been falling apart. We see man that was completely separated from God as a result of sin, and we see men separated from woman to an extent that arguments will consistently take place as we see Adam throw Eve under the bus. It was her fault. You see a break in relationship that is having there. But you also see men separate from men in regards to Cain and Abel. Jealousy takes place. Therefore, Cain kills Abel. You see the Tower of Babel where man says, what we want to do is we want to be unified but we're going to leave God out of it. So we can just be unified as a people and look really good as a people, but leave God out of it. And then you say, well, God's like, well, you're not going to leave me out of it. So what does he do? He divides everybody at the Tower of Babel, spreading them across the entire world, and then also changing their language. Every since the world came into being, things have been falling apart. Sin has torn everything apart. But Christ does what? He comes to connect. In other words, there is a plan. Look at the plan. Ephesians 1. In all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his kind intention which he purposed in him. 
with a view to the administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in heaven and things on earth. This passage here says that when Christ comes, everything will be summed up in Christ. He will bring all history together. He will bring all things on earth together, and it will even bring all heavenly realms together under one head. You know, Christmas around our house is, um, there's not a lot of surprises. And the reason why there's not a lot of surprises is because I can't hold uh, a secret very well. So if I get a really, really good gift, um, I just give hints until people figure it out. And I don't know, I just enjoy that all the way up to Christmas. And then if I, okay, Dad, I've, I, I figured it out. And they open the package, it's like, okay, yeah, it was, I'm sorry, I told you, I, I figured it out. Because there's a bubbling amount of excitement that comes out of the gift that I want to give to somebody. Well, here's Christ. Christ says, I'm going to give you redemption, but I'm just not going to give you redemption that you ask Jesus Christ in your heart and then you're done with me. I'm going to unfold a beautiful plan of what is going to take place after redemption. And that beautiful plan is all things will be summed up under Christ. History will be put together, things on earth will be put together, and the heavens will be put together. Meaning that Satan will have a spot, the demons will have a spot, we will have our spot. This is the mystery that unfolds underneath this gift. All the way through history and all the way through life, we've had kings, we have Caesars, we have emperors, we have rulers, we have prime ministers, and we have presidents as rulers. What do all these individuals, leaders have in common? The thing that they have in common is that they all have failed. (laughs) Every single king, Caesar, emperor, ruler, prime minister, and president has failed because we're not better off today than we were back then. And all these leaders, oh, we find our hope in a leader. If this leader would do it, then it would succeed. Everything would be wonderful. Everything would be good. Even if we get a good leader, what can take place is it's not going to fix the future. In fact, you look at King David. King David was an amazing king, the best king that ever walked on the planet. But one thing that he failed at was raising his son to pass it on, which was King Solomon, who divided the entire kingdom after he took charge. Every king, every Caesar, every emperor, every ruler, every prime minister, and every president has failed. Christ is coming not to fail. That's redemption. Christ is coming literally not to fail when it all comes under his head. Through Christ, we see God's ultimate plan reunite all things under Christ. He's opened a package of redemption and it's absolutely beautiful. What is it under? It's under wisdom. Playing the piano of knowledge. And as he's playing the piano of knowledge, there will be a beautiful result. There will be a beautiful outcome, a majestic one. Number three, through Christ, we see our ultimate destination, obtain an inheritance. What is our inheritance? Jonathan Edwards said it this way, your bad things will turn out for the ultimate good, your good things will never be lost, and your best things are yet to come. Ephesians 1, 11, in him, in Christ, also we have obtained an inheritance. Also, we have obtained an inheritance. Obtained, look how Paul is speaking. Paul is speaking that you already have the inheritance. 
He's speaking that you have already have it. You can already enjoy it. Why? Because the greatest wealth that a person possesses is in their expectation. When you have money and you invest it, you invest it for a purpose of an expectation that takes place in the future. And therefore, it makes us joy. It makes us happy. It makes, it, it makes us excited. Well, Paul is saying, I already attained it. Why have I already attained it? Because I know for a fact that my bad things will turn out for the ultimate good. The good things will never be lost, and the best things are yet to come. And therefore, Paul is just driven by it, blessed by it, moved by it, sent by it. Simple word, inheritance. God knows what he's doing. I mean, this world looks absolutely crazy, but God knows what he's doing, and he's playing the keys of the piano for the purpose of a beautiful outcome, and what do we do is we get blessed inside of the outcome. We get completely and entirely blessed inside of the outcome because we're inside of the outcome. You will receive an inheritance. Number four, through Christ we see that our ultimate purpose exists for his purpose. What's my purpose in life? What's your purpose in life? This is what it should be. We should be a part, um, be a part of, of God's plan to redeem the world. That's what your purpose should be. Be a part of God's plan to redeem the world. Your purpose should be being a part of God's plan to love people. Our purpose should be being a part of God's plan to serve people. Our purpose should be being a part of God's plan to build his kingdom. That's what our purpose should be. That's the reason why we exist. That's the reason why we're on earth. Ephesians 1 says, having been predestined according to his purpose, not ours, but according to his purpose, who works all things out for the counsel of his will. Last weekend, I was um, at Odell Lake, and I had a cabin that I was uh, staying at, and and my family came up, and they um, um, met me the first couple days. That would be Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, so we missed the storm, but it was snowing like crazy um, up at at the cabin. And we went to um, a lodge, um, the, the east end of the lodge that John Ditchin owns, and we do a marriage retreat out there, and we went just to visit him. And when we came to visit him, he looked at my wife, and he looked at my daughters and, and her friend, and says, hey, do you guys want to go on a carriage ride? You know, free of charge. <laughs> so he, sa- he said, yeah, let's go on a carriage ride. So they went on a carriage ride where, you know, um, um, uh, oh, what do you call them? Anyway, they went on a carriage ride. During the process of having the carriage ride, I don't care about the carriage ride. I care about when they came back. They went on the carriage ride, and in the process of the carriage ride, he goes, do you know what I want you to do is I want to convince your dad to come back later on tonight and go on a night snowmobile ride. <laughs> now you know why I didn't care about the carriage ride. That was just the purpose of getting somewhere. So sure enough, these girls, my wife and my daughters and their friends, come back and say, hey, dad, do you mind if we go on a snowmobile ride in the middle of the night? And we're like, Oh, yeah, I, I don't mind. So he has six snowmobiles. So we all got our individual snowmobiles. And after everything was shut down and it was completely dark outside, we headed out there in the night. And uh, we went for about two, two and a half hours. An amazing time, but I will tell you, it was a little cold, uh, a little freezing. And when we came back, our toes were a little cold, our hands were a little cold, but it was extremely enjoyable. Now, that's just my younger daughter. Last weekend, my older daughter did something as well. She hiked the Rogue River Trail when it, in the, it wasn't snowing down there, but it didn't stop raining. So what she did is she was hiking the trail, and it poured on her and her friends and her cousin consistently the entire way. In other words, once you get wet, you don't get dry for three days, and that's what uh, she ended up doing. And so sure enough, we all come back to town, and she tells 
uh, their war stories and I tell them our war stories. And we act like we had a fun time. <laughs> In a sense that we all freedom, but freezing. But why would we have a fun time? The reason why we'd have a fun time is because we're together. We're together. In fact, everything you do, if you do it together, it's a fun time. Even if you're freezing, because it just makes a story out of it. Everything we want to do as individuals is be together. Here is God saying, you exist for my purpose. The reason why you exist for my purpose is because I want to be with you in the process of life for his mission. He wants to be together with us. He wants to work with us. He wants to talk with us. He wants us to do his plan. He doesn't say, I just want to save the whole world and do it myself with a snap of a thumb. He wants to provide this gospel message to put on your lips for the purpose of giving it to somebody else. He goes, I want you to be together in this process. Talk about wisdom. Talk about singing a song. Talk about beautiful. Talk about an outcome that God wants to have. He put it into our system. Number five, through Christ, we see our ultimate status. We would be to the praise of his glory. Some verses you don't want to talk about until you read it because I can't believe Scripture has the audacity to say it. Ephesians 1 says this, We who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. What does that verse mean? It means that when God looks at us, God feels wealthy. means when God looks at us, he sees us more valuable than the entire universe. means that when God looks at us, he rejoices. It means that when God looks at us, he is moved. It means that when God looks at us, he takes pride in us. Why? <laughs> I have no idea. But he does. He rejoices over us. And so he gives us this concept of redemption. And in this concept of redemption, he wants this beautiful outcome in our lives. And in the process of having a beautiful outcome in our lives, he has a beautiful outcome in his life. For eternity, we will worship the cross of what he has done for us. The only thing I can understand with all of it is that when we create something and we make something and we build something, we take pride in it. God created us. God made us We sin, but then God redeemed us. He takes pride in it. Again, we live in a really rough world. But as we're living in this rough world, we have been redeemed. Meaning that we exist inside of a plan. A plan that sings a beautiful song with a beautiful outcome. And it is ours if we believe in Jesus Christ. It is ours if we believe in Jesus Christ. Creation is singing of his glory. Salvation message is singing of his glory. And when God looks at us, he's singing even about us. He's taken all the knowledge of the entire world and he's playing the piano with it. And as he's playing the piano with it, he says, with wisdom and insight Everything will fall under my head and then ask this question, will you believe so you will fall under his head of peace? We're all in it together. We all profit. It defines us. It makes us. It uses us. That is the salvation message that God has given us inside of his plan. Take it. Don't reject it. God, I just thank you, God, that you have come to save the lost.
You did not need to save the lost whatsoever. You could have just put us all in our place, the place that we deserve. Instead, God, you came and you redeemed us, and then you open up our mind with wisdom and insight of what we have inside of that redemption. I pray, God, that people would find it. I pray for anybody this morning, God, that has even rejected the salvation message, the gospel, where they can be saved under you, God, that they would eyes would be open to the truth that you love them, that the eyes would open to the truth that they are saved if they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and take you as Savior and Master. And God, for those that do believe, I just thank you, God, that we can rejoice like Paul rejoices, speak like Paul speaks, with confidence, with strength, that is beyond this world, knowing that we are embraced by the King of kings and Lord of lords. In Christ's name, amen.